but you need to adjust your thermostat. <laughs> right? In the summertime, we're going to have some air, praise God. And if you get hot, if you'll come up here, we try to keep it cool up here. So, but there is a purpose in that, two things. If you keep it cold enough, people put clothes on, right, instead of take them off. And it's like summertime, it's like, well, summertime, I need to wear summer outfits. That's okay. Just don't wear them to church, right? And so uh, the colder you keep it, then people put clothes on instead of take them off. That's part of it. And the other thing, I figure if you're shivering, you're going to stay awake during preaching. So I uh, hate that Brother Jimmy's sick. Um, he texted me this morning, said he wasn't feeling well, so continue to pray for him. And I know that... Uh, I probably will not uh, do as thorough a job as he does teaching, but I'll do my best for you this morning. And uh, if you missed Wednesday night, we had a phenomenal service Wednesday night. Um, uh, the thought that God has really just impressed on me is how short our time is and uh, how close we are to the coming of the Lord and that if we're going to get anything done, we need to do it now. And uh, so instead of uh, slowing down, we need to be speeding up. And instead of doing less for God, we need to be doing more. Instead of spending less time with Him, we need to spend more time with Him. And uh, we need to redeem the time. We need to uh, do all we can. And so uh, this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And let me uh, encourage you to do a couple things. Number one is take some notes this morning. I don't have an outline for you, but uh, I would encourage you to take some notes because I think that... Uh, the lesson I'm going to teach, um, number one, it's, it's a thought that I've had for some time and uh, I kind of put it together this morning when Brother Jimmy asked, because we're doing, uh, in our class, we're doing uh, something on stewarding the gospel and I thought, well, when you combine classes, you guys wouldn't know exactly where we are, where we're at in our lesson and uh, so I thought, well, I'll just do something different and so uh, this is just a thought that... Uh, God's been kind of percolating in my head for some time. And uh, in John chapter 3, verse 30, let me say this. This is my, this is my life verse. Um, I know a lot of people have all kinds of different life verses, and it seems like a lot of it is uh, geared toward encouragement and geared towards you know helping us through hard times, and I'm not critical of that. But I also know this, that the purpose of my life and the purpose of your life is, is very singular. It is to bring glory to God. And that's it. I mean, I mean when, you, when, you, when you take everything out, you know, all the fluff and all the heartaches, and of course we had many prayer requests here this morning, and people are sick and cancer and all those things, and then, you know, we have job losses and we have uh, family relationships that aren't good. I mean, whatever it is you look at, and you boil down what life is about. It's not about cars and houses. It's not about popularity. When you boil it all down, when we stand before the Lord and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or do not hear that. By the way, everybody's not going to hear that. Right. It boils down to this. Did my life bring glory to God? Right. Now, now, think about this for a moment. See, I, I'm, I'm realizing this, that we've made everything in life very much more complicated than it has to be agree I mean in, in the idea of technology and the idea of enlightenment 
you know, it's like, well, we have to have some new way of doing things. And uh, I was talking to a guy the other day, and I said, it's amazing. We have these smartphones, right? And uh, people for a long time, I'll give you an example, for a long time they would use the technology and say, well, you know, you can link your calendar and you can link your to-do list and you can do all these different things and it's all right there in the palm of your hand. But now they're finding that people are going back to the old paper planners because there's something about writing things down and uh, it connects our brain. And, and uh, so what happens is we, we try to complicate things and we try to make things quote-unquote more efficient and we end up making it more complicated, right? right? And so what I'm, I'm looking at in the coming year of 2024, what I'm asking you to do and what I'm doing is let's simplify things. Right. Let's let's just get to the point where if we'll if we'll keep the objective simple, then we can accomplish it. Right. Uh, Even in productivity, they're saying that uh, every day you should have three big ideas or three things, three big things you want to accomplish. And if you accomplish those things and get nothing else done, then that day was a success. Right. And, And so if you and I in the coming year can have one goal. That is to bring glory to God. If that's accomplished, then it's a success. If it's not, then it's a failure, right? And so I want to share with you uh, John chapter 3, verse 30. Very simple verse, and I'll give you three things out of it that that the Lord's kind of impressed me with. In verse 30, the Bible said, He must increase, but I must decrease. But that's simple, isn't it? I mean, there's, it, it's hard, really, it's hard to misinterpret that. That's right. It's really hard to, to mess that one up. Now, we can, right? But, but the fact is, he's very plain. He must increase, but I must. Didn't say but, right? The but. So that means that two things cannot happen at the same time. In other words, I can't increase and he increase. One has to increase, one has to decrease, right? We, we both can't be glorified. One is glorified, the other is not glorified. Yes, and so when, when we look at that verse, let me ask you this. Just give me an idea. What does that mean? Now, I know when you, you say, well, it means he must increase, I must decrease. I understand that. But, but if you were to explain that to someone who had no idea, what, what would you say that meant? Submission, that's a good word. What else? More of him, less of me, that's good. Anything else? Humility, humble spirit, right? His priority is greater than ours, right? And, and the interesting thing, someone said humility. Let me, let's, let's examine that. What, what, is, uh, what is the word humble or humility? What's it mean? Tell me that again. To die to self. Let me ask you this. One one guy said this. When you think of the word humble, we're to humble ourselves. That does not mean to think less of ourselves. It means to not think of ourselves at all. Whoa. Because a lot of times we'll have that false humility, right? And we sit and we're we're trying to make people, well, you know, it wasn't me. It was all the Lord. Well, you're right. But is that really humble or is that just something we say? Right? If I, it, you know, even, uh, again, 
We've said this. People say, well, there's good pride and there's bad pride. Problem is, that's not scriptural. Right? Well, you ought to be proud of your accomplishments. That's, that's a secular worldly mindset, right? You didn't do it. God did it. See what I'm saying? If we're not careful, we start interjecting philosophy with, with the principles of the Word of God. So when, if we're not careful, it's like, well, you know, the mindset of I deserve this, right? And here's, here's what I'm saying. We like... I'll ask you this. Now, don't, don't get super spiritual. Get honest with me. What would you say that with the relationship with Christ and us, what is the relationship we like the best? Bless us. Would you? Right? I, I, anything else? Those are good answers. His love for me. Right? That's good. Anything else? So, so the relationship we like the best is him giving to me. Right? I mean, in other words, we like, when we look at the Bible, we study the Bible, can we agree that we like the parental relationship? He's our father, we're the child. Why do we like that? Right. We have no responsibility in it. It's all on him. Right? A parent-child, if you have a baby, the, the job of that baby is to cry. Right? And to eat. And do other things we won't talk about. Right? You don't, you don't ask a baby, now, now go in there and do the dishes. You don't do that. Right? But as that relationship matures, you don't take a 15-year-old and say, listen, you just lay in the bed and I'm going to feed you with a bottle. If you do, that's a, that's a problem with growth, right? There, there's an issue there. And so we like the parent relationship because it puts all the responsibility on God and, and gives us none, right? right? I mean, when you, when you talk to people and you read devotion books, a lot of them, and, and you know, posts that people put, you can, see, you can see the relationship people like. They like the father-child relationship. And the give to me, right? I have needs. Okay, so we like the parental relationship. We like the provider relationship, right? That he gives us all this stuff. He bestows blessings. We like that relationship. We like the protector relationship. We like God to, to be our rock, our high fortress. We like him to take care of us, right? We, we like those things. And that's one side of the relationship. The problem is we live in a generation, that, that's all we got. That's all we got. We're not mature Christians. We're baby Christians because we've never got to the point where we understand and enjoy Romans 5, 8. God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We like that. But then we like Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But we don't like Ephesians 2, 10. Very seldom do you hear Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. You hear Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and we leave 10. We're, we're his workmanship created for what? Good works, right? And so we, we like the parental, provider, protector relationship that, that we see that we have with the Lord. The problem is we don't like the purpose-driven, the poverty, the peculiar relationship, the set-apart relationship that we're supposed to have with him. We enjoy receiving, 
but we don't enjoy giving. Amen. Right? Now, the Bible said it is more blessed to what? Give than to what? See, we're, we flipped it. It's more blessed to receive than to give. Right? Now, you're never going to outgive God, and I know that, and we can never repay him for what he's given us. But what I'm saying, we have this entitled mentality, even amongst God's people, that is a, really a societal behavior where I'm owed this because I'm a person. And so we've brought that into Christianity, and we said, okay, God, now listen, I came to church, so feed me. I gave my tithe, so give me money, right? I, I've, I'm hurting, so take care of my need. But we never get to the point, you know, there's a side of it. There's that parental relationship. But also when we look at Timothy and Paul's writing Timothy, he said we're good soldiers. So what I'm saying, what we don't like is the purpose-driven life. And I'm not using that as in a Rick Warren. I'm saying that you and I, God has created us with a purpose. And that purpose must drive us to serve the Lord. And so when we look at John 3.30, John the Baptist is saying that very thing. He's the one that said that. Right. Now, remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Yes, Among men born to women, there's not a greater prophet. Right. Well, if he's the greatest prophet and his life was this, he must increase, I must decrease. And we look at Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Yet his whole life was given. He called himself a bond slave or a bond servant. He willingly gave himself to the Lord to do whatever. Then my question is, we as 21st century Christians, what are we doing? Right. Why are we not getting? We've got, we've got more technology, more instruments, more, more vehicles to get the work of God done. Yet we do less because the purpose is not there. So here's the three things in this verse I'll give you quickly. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet, one of the greatest Christians made the statement, how can we in today's world live this life? And I know it's not easy because let's be honest, there's distractions, there's bombardments. It seems like the devil is 100% against us. But if you're going to have a 2024 where you serve God, I believe here's how we do it, right? Number one, when I see this in uh, verse 30, I see first of all the object of the verse. The object is this word he. Not I. See, if he's not the object of your world, you'll never serve the Lord. And most people, Brother Matt, in our churches want to be served, not served. Right. Let me ask you this. So what does the word Christian mean? Christ-like. See, we fling that word around like it's nothing. Just because somebody, someone says they got saved, baptized, go to church, they say, well, he's a Christian. Right? No. There, there, there may very well be people that are saved, right. baptized, go to church that are nothing like Christ. That's right? right? Amen. So the object of this verse, the object of our life must be he. Amen. Right? And in that, how do we make he the object of our life? First of all, it only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote this. Uh, he said this. Uh, we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word means a constant filling. It's not a one-time thing where you get filled with the Holy Spirit for the rest of your life. It is the same. It is a constant. Well, let me ask you this. How do you do that? <laughs> exactly, right? 
He must increase, I must decrease. That's how you do it, right? Less of me, pray, read our Bible, be in church, be around godly people, uh, have a relationship. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? To not do that is, is pharisaical. Right to, to check off the boxes and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not have fellowship. You're just a Pharisee. There's a lot of Baptist Pharisees, by the way. They have no walk with God, yet they dress right, have the right Bible. You know, Check your box if you want to, but listen, that will never sustain you. So, so first thing is there has to be the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can't do I can't, Brother Matt, my flesh, I cannot do it. I am incapable of doing it. Let me ask you this. How many know this, this scripture? I can do all things. Does it stop there? What's the rest of it? Through Christ. Right? If you have no relationship, no fellowship, you can't do all things. And you can't do all things. Uh, you have to have the mindset that I can do all things is not to benefit me, it's to glorify him. Right? So the power of the Holy Spirit. Next is this, the preeminence of the Lord. Notice this. If he is the object, he must increase if he is the object of my life he has to have preeminence what's that mean what's preeminence mean first place priority he is the priority he has to be one one person said it this way it's the center of the wheel that all the spokes are connected to right he's got to be everything you can't you cannot be christ-like unless he is everything to you I'm not talking about a part of your life. He is your life, right? That's all that matters. When you, when you draw your last breath, the only thing in your mind is, did I glorify God? If you're not there and I'm not there, guess what? He hadn't increased and I hadn't decreased. We've tried to interject Christ in our life to make us happy in that parent relationship, right? Most, let's be honest. I mean, most kids, if yours is not this way, they probably really are. I mean, when they're young, they love mom and dad, right, because they're mom and dad. As they get older, you know what? They realize mom and dad are a source of things for them, and they ask mom and dad for more. Hey, dad, do you mind doing this? Hey, mom, would you mind doing this? Why? Because inside of them, just like you and me, is this flesh, right? right? right. Very few kids do, comes up to you and says, hey, dad, what can I do today to help you? Right? Very few daughters come up to mom and say, listen, mom, I don't want you to have to take care of anything today. I'll do it all. Let me know what I need to do. Most of the time, you have to have a chore list. You have to check it off, right? And did you get this done? Well, no. Why? Well, because I got distracted doing this. I, I'm doing this, right? I, I'll get to it sometime when I get to it, right? Why? Because they're made of flesh. Well, you're no different, right? So if... If you'll let him have the preeminence in your life, it will be a whole lot less difficult, listen to what I'm saying, to come to church on Wednesday night. Amen. Be a whole lot less difficult to be at Sunday school on time. Right. You're here, right? If you're watching by way of internet, hey, right? <laughs> It'd be a whole lot less difficult to go soul winning. It'll be a whole lot less difficult to sing in the choir, whatever it is, Right? In serving God, if, if he has the preeminence, right? So then there's the proper perspective of the relationship. Well, we talked about that. Is it parental, provider, protector, purpose-driven, poverty, or peculiar? Set apart. Am I, am I set apart for the Lord, right? That's how, that's how he's the object, that I have to evaluate 
the proper perspective of my relationship. It's not one-sided. It's not just Jesus, give me, give me, give me, give me. And that's where most Christians are. So number one is the object in this verse. Number two is the obstacle. Let me ask you this. If I were to ask you in that verse what you think the obstacle is, what would you say? The I, right? She said it, I. I'm the obstacle. Now you're looking at, whoa, whoa, preacher. Now I don't want to view myself as an obstacle. Well, let's be honest, right? If, we, if, we're gonna, if, we're gonna, if he's going to increase, I'm going to decrease. I got to get honest with me. Right. Now let me say this. It's funny how, it's funny to me, Brother Bart, how even Christians will say something like this. And I've used this. Well, I'm just brutally honest. No, you're brutally honest with other people. That's you're right. just not brutally honest with yourself. Amen. Amen. Can I say that again? You're brutally honest with other people. You're just not brutally honest with yourself. That's right. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says this. We're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Right. Can we agree that most people think of themselves more highly than they ought to? Amen. Right? Oh, look how, look how bad they are. And they say they're a Christian. Right? But look at me and I'm trying my best. Right? Well, how do you know they're not trying their best? Right. So the object or the obstacle of this whole thing is me. God can do great things through me if I get out of the way, right. right? So the obstacle, we have to, in order to understand that, we have to have a perspective of who I really am. You got to know who you are. Right. You want me to tell you why we never get better in most areas of life? Because we won't get real with who we are. That's right. It's always somebody else's fault. Yes, sir. I'm going to say this. Some of you might like it. Some of you may not. I'm so tired of the excuses we have about, well, you know, I want you to pray for my daughter because she's not in church because she got hurt in church. Yeah. So? Amen. Right? I want you to pray for my friend. They're not in church because they got hurt in church and, you know, they're not in church anymore. Okay. Has anybody not got hurt in church? Miss right. Brenda got hurt in church the other day. She failed, right? <laughs> yeah. But she's here. See, we have to change the way we think of things. How other people treat me has no bearing on my relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an excuse, yes, it right? Is. Everything is, and we live in a world that is full of excuses. Nothing's our fault anymore, right? right? And that's why we never get better. Right. We have to put the blame on someone else. Why? Because it elevates us, right? Paul, Paul looked at himself and said he's the lead. I mean, the greatest Christian maybe that's ever walked the face of earth said he is the chiefest of sinners. And yet we're sitting here going, well, I'm not that bad. Well, if Paul's that bad, we're way worse, right? Man, if Paul's that bad, I don't even know how we look in the mirror and go, boy, I sure am, right? So we have to have the perspective, who I am. If you ever, any area of life, if you want to get better, you've got to, you've got to get honest with yourself. Nobody else can do it, right? You can go to all the psychologists in the world and, you know, talk to all the counselors and, and, and that's fine. If you need, fine. But I wonder how much, I wonder how much of our problems would be solved if we just look in the mirror and we'd say, you know what? I'm not near as good as I think I am. God, I need your help because I can't do it on myself. So I'm the, I'm the obstacle. 
So there's the perspective. Then there's the principle of dying daily. You got to get up in the morning and you got to say, listen, today my flesh is going to rear up. Today I'm probably going to have some pride swell up in me somewhere, right? Today the devil's going to do something to get me off track. So this morning when I wake up and look in the mirror, I know exactly who I am and today I want to die to myself. I want to walk with Christ every moment. I want to pray without ceasing. I want to to hide his word to my heart that I might not sin against him. I don't want today to be about me at all, right? You get a, hey, you get a, you get a, a congratulations plaque at work, say, amen, praise God, I didn't do it. You ought to give God glory for it, right? If not, what happens is this stinking flesh that we have wells up and says, hey, look at me. Is that not where we live? I thought about this. I'm thinking about preaching this. What kind of, what kind of Paul do you want to be? You see two kinds of Paul, brother, for you. You got one where Paul's a Pharisee, and it's all about me. Then you got another Paul that is the chiefest of sinners. And we live in a world we want followers, right? Preachers, same way. They get all over social media. Look at me. Look at the. I'm so, I'm so sick of it. Amen. There's no John 3.30 in that garbage. I want people to follow. Well, what about Paul? Preacher, what about Paul? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That's right. Amen. That's right. I don't know of one preacher that's spending time in jail. Come on. I mean, right. wasn't it Paul that talked about the fellowship of his suffering? Yeah, right? Is that, Paul? You know what Paul's saying? You watch me. Right. And you look at his life, Christian. You want to be a follower of Paul? You know why he, he was saying that? Because he was going to point people to Jesus because he didn't, he, he wasn't, listen, he wasn't on vacation every other week saying, if he was doing selfies, you know what was behind him? Prison bars. Right. Amen. What about him? So the principle of dying daily and then the picture of what humility really is. We'll look at, we won't go into this because we were talking. But you look at Paul and John the Baptist. They're, they're the picture of humility, right? No popularity. No garment. I mean, what, anybody remember what, what John the Baptist wore? He didn't have no wool suit. What, what, before, what did, he, what did he wear? Camel's hair. Everybody else got their... Nice robes. Can you imagine? Here comes John the Baptist, and they're like, he looks like Fred Flintstone. They're all sitting down at their nine-course meal. Anybody remember what John the Baptist ate? Locust and honey. Anybody want to eat insects? Right? We want to be like Jesus. That's what we say, Christian, Christ-like. So we have to understand what the picture of humility really is. It's not us, right? It's not some nifty quote. And then number three. So we looked at the object, he, the obstacle, I, now the objective, the whole verse. He must increase, but 
I must decrease. So, so how do we, how do we complete the objective? Well, I've got to make that the purpose of my life. That's the purpose of why I'm here. Not to have kids. Not to be married. Not to pastor a church. Not to make a lot of money. Not to have a nice car. Not to have nice clothes. Not to be, watch this, ready, time out. Not to be comfortable. Right? Right? That's where we are. Everybody wants to be comfortable. Uh, listen, preacher, now, don't ask too much of people because, if you know, if you ask too much, they'll get burned out. John the Baptist didn't get burned out. Paul didn't get burned out. I understand, I understand we're weak. But can we be honest? Most Christians are not going to burn out. They're going to rust out. You know what? You know how you rust out? You sit... You put, a, you put a car there in the yard and leave it for decades. It just rusts out. That's where most Christians are. They're just going to rust out. I come to church. That's all I'm going to do. Hey, sure would like to get you involved in this ministry. Well, I'm, I prayed about it, preacher. I, I just want to come in and hear the choir sing and hear preaching. That's, that's what I'm here for. You're going to rust out. There's a proper perspective of what my life is about. You know what I figured out, Brother Matt, I'm 50, be 53 years old this year. I don't have a, long, a, lot, a lot of time left, right? You say, well, preacher, you're only 53. Well, I'm, again, I'm hoping I take from the ladies' side of our family because they live to be old. The men die early, like in the 60s. So my math ain't real good. At 53, I only got, if I, if I take after the men, I only got like 10, 12 years left. Take after the ladies, y'all going to send me around here for a long time. Hallelujah. That's what I'm hoping for. But I, we just don't have a lot of time left. Can we agree with this? The time, Brother Matt and Miss Emily and I were talking about this. The time from Thanksgiving till next week is Christmas. And that how it was, right? What you watch like two Christmas movies because you've been right, right? We don't have much time. And here's the here's the final thing. Two things, quick: personal relationship, fellowship with Christ. You you, you can't get around that. If you don't have that, you'll never last. And if you don't have that, may I say that that ought to be your priority this morning. Amen. And then finally, you've got to find the path of his will. Amen. You know, why, why was John the Baptist here? What was his one purpose? Prepare the way. It's what, it's what it prophesied in Old Testament. One crying in the wilderness. His one job was to announce that Jesus is coming. Good. When they saw him, said, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Right. After he did that, his job was over. What was Paul's job? He, he, was, he was the apostle to the Gentiles, wasn't he? Again, he did many other things, but his, we would not have a church here today. Again, you say, well, God, I know. 
Under, just hang with me. Most of you, I'm guessing I am, most of us all in this auditorium, you're either Jew or Gentile. I'm a Gentile, so are you. So we would not have today what we have today if Paul would not have done the singular most important thing that God had him on earth to do. That's to get the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, here's the thing. What's your purpose? Jesus said this. Remember this? Not my will. Thine be done. What's your purpose? If you'll live your life with purpose, right? You got, what, a week and a half, two weeks left before January 1st, and you want January 1st, new year, new me, whatever. If you don't change some things, January 1st will be the same thing it was this year. Right. Just because the clock clicks doesn't mean anything changes. Right. What's your purpose? Glorify God. Okay, how are you going to do it? And if you'll do that, then John 3.30 be your verse. Get the obstacle out of the way. Make him the object. Complete the objective. Simple. Just not easy. Right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the lesson. Just pray that this morning you'd get glory out of our lives in this service today. Be with the kids as they sing. Uh, just, uh, again, Lord, touch hearts and lives. May souls be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you.